As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, and welcome to a... Wild football and grits. I Andy, crazy weekend followed up by a, a crazy Sunday. This is Monday, November 29th. We are coming to you. I hope nothing has changed since we've recorded this, Andy. It's been a wild 24 hours. We'll get into all of it. Uh, a great week, uh, a weekend really, of football, Andy. Uh, I am your host, David Ubbin, my co-host, Andy Staples, as always. But, Andy, we can't start with what happened on the field. This is going to be – we're going we're gonna to take a page from the NBA podcast these days and talk about the intrigue off the field. Uh, there's a lot to get to, but we got to start, Andy, in your neck of the woods. Billy Napier, um, well, he's the new Florida head coach. Uh, I think a lot of people had sort of penciled him in. Uh, as the possible fallback option for LSU. That did not really seem to be anything that LSU was interested in, Andy. But Florida was. Seems like Billy Napier was was the guy that they targeted from the get-go. Uh, you didn't even hear a lot of other names. I, I would go so far as to say that they probably had narrowed it down pretty thoroughly before they made the decision to hire or to fire Dan Mullen. And Napier kind of checked the boxes they want. And I, I know it's sort of a real reflexive thing to to hire the guy who's kind of the opposite of the guy you just fired. I wouldn't, these guys aren't exact opposite. They're both offensive guys. Uh, Both of them had great success at their previous stop uh, where they, you know, really kind of out, outdid what that, that program was used to. But this is a guy who's obsessive about recruiting. Uh, He went through the, the Nick Saban school for wayward coaches and, and took away a lot of stuff regarding organizational structure, regarding, talent evaluation so they're they're getting that now i will i will warn florida people right now they have already hired two ex nick saban guys as head coaches so that does not guarantee you anything (laughs) but but napier seems like he checks the boxes for exactly what they were looking for now the question is will florida give him everything he needs my guess is they have promised him that and probably you know given him some guarantees about staffing 
salary pool for the assistants, salary pool for support staff, enlarging the support staff, enlarging the recruiting budget, because this is a guy who's been very picky about these jobs. You know, he, he was in, in the mix for South Carolina last year. He was in the mix for Auburn. He wasn't going to just jump at the first job. And this is why I say I think they had this kind of narrowed down before they made the decision to move on Dan Mullen. Remember in, in Scott Strickland's press conference, the Florida AD, when he, he was announcing the firing of Dan Mullen, he was talking about the alignment at the school. And I said, this is code for this isn't the LSU or the Auburn job. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Scott Strickland was speaking in code to Billy Napier at that point, even though there may not have even been any contact with with Florida and his representatives yet. But it was kind of planting the seeds like, hey, all that stuff you didn't like about Auburn when you were in the mix for that one last year, that's not the same thing. So I think a lot of people at Florida were surprised that that he didn't get more interest in the LSU job. And I think it it, it created some stuff in the back of, of – fans minds like okay what's what what do they know that that florida doesn't what why aren't they interested i don't think it's that mm-hmm. i i when people would ask me about that i'd be like imagine if the if the fiu coach was 11 and 1 and everybody said you had to hire him you you'd be a little snobby about that too i think that's probably the situation with lsu and napier i i personally think it's kind of stupid i understand it but oh, I, I agree kind of stupid either way <laughs> i i think when you look at, at you know Billy Napier talked a lot about checking boxes, but I think when you look at what he does bring to the table, if I'm hiring a coach, he checks all of my boxes. One, like you mentioned, the recruiting aspect of it, that's a huge part of the job. Talent acquisition is, uh, if you, I guess if you asked our colleague Ari Wasserman, 80% of the job, I'd say closer to 60, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Talent acquisition is a huge part of the job, a- as important if not more important than literally anything else, and you have that aspect. He's proven that. Uh, you have a guy who obviously has been a part of big-time programs. He's seen the inside of operations that do things uh, in a, a very successful way. But then he's gone out, and he's won, and he's built his own thing. Um, Louisiana, I was looking at it. I, I've been unimpressed with them all year, and they haven't really gotten the same amount of hype as they did last year, but they're still 11-1, and one, Andy. Right. They, 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 they didn't Texas, have the – They lost to Texas in the yeah. season opener, and everybody stopped watching him. They but didn't they have didn't. the big. They didn't have the big open your eyes game. You know, like they did last year with the uh, was it K State or Iowa State or both? I forget. Which it, one it, was. it was. It was Iowa State. Yeah, they they, yes. they lost the Texas. They didn't have that, that big have game. That game, yes. So yeah, I thought they were going to push Texas and they didn't. But he's yeah. you know eleven and one is eleven and one. Even if you haven't been blowing people's doors off this year, um, but you know you look at all those things. Like I said, the recruiting aspect, the being a part of a big time program aspect, the doing it on your own aspect. Those are all really good things. Hiring a staff is always a little bit tougher for younger coaches. Bringing guys in, we'll see what he does there. But you know, there I I have never been less confident, Andy, in projecting coaching hires. Oh yeah, um, I'm, I'm out of the you know, business of telling you. Tom Herman and Scott Frost have 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 yeah. have squeezed yeah. that out of me. But I I just don't have anything about this hire that that makes me raise an eyebrow. Like no, literally, there's, pretty much nothing. I don't think there's anything to object to at all. And he's an interesting story. I, I'm curious to to talk to him about this because he's a guy that had a very public failure early in his career and then was one of the first people to go through that Nick Saban analyst machine and come out the other side as a, you know, favorite assistant coach at Alabama 
who then moved on to a, a bigger job elsewhere and then turned it into his first head coaching gig. Remember, when Dabo Sweeney got the interim job at Clemson, his first his first order of business or first official act, I guess, was firing Rob Spence, who's the offensive coordinator. He promoted Billy Napier to offensive coordinator. This is 2008. Billy Napier is in his late 20s at that point. And so Billy Napier is the, the OC for the rest of 2008, for 2009, and for 2010. And you know, at that point, it, it just wasn't working. Dabo had to do something. The offense was, was stalling out. And so he fires Billy Napier. Well, sure enough, Billy Napier goes to Alabama, is an analyst, kind of works his way up through that system and becomes the receivers coach. And he certainly, when he came out the other side as the OC at Arizona State, didn't look anything like the guy who was the OC at Clemson. And and I'm curious how much of that was just kind of too much, too fast, too soon. And then what did he learn from it? Because he definitely seemed to come out the other side a better coach. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely right. I mean, again, the proof is in the pudding. I think all those Sunbelt schools, it's kind of like the Mac. I think you can win anywhere. But if you take a program that's just sort of there and turn them into – a team that's knocking off Iowa State, that's going 11-1. and one. That says something about your ability to run the whole ship, um, and that's that's how you get big jobs like this. And uh, so, like I said, I, I think, you know, he's not a guy that, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, the whole process I find to be sort of fickle and kind of stupid, the perception of coaching hires. Got, got I guess to win Chip the press Kelly conference, David. I, I've never yeah, seen exactly. winning a press conference help anybody get you know keep their job. Chip Kelly would have moved the needle for this job three years ago, Andy. People would have been, oh, we got Chip. He's back. We're going to run the world. It's going to be amazing. And they would have fired him after year one. Yes. Billy Napier is not going to have that. He's not going to have that. I think he can do a good job, but he's not a guy, you know, he's not going to get a parade week one. But he's a guy that, for all the reasons we've been talking about, makes a ton of sense. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter where you come from. Like, Urban Meyer was from Ashtabula, Ohio, and had worked uh, at. Bowling Green. He worked at Colorado State. He'd worked at Utah. Like he'd never been professionally in Florida. He didn't grow up in Florida. He didn't grow up in the South, but he came in and, and won at Florida because he understood what it took to win and he understood what, what kind of roster it took to win at Florida. I don't think you have to be from, from around there, but it certainly helps to understand the culture and the expectations. Billy mm-hmm. Napier is the son of the son of a Georgia high school coach. David, who else in, in the SEC East is the son of a Georgia high school coach? Uh, Mr. Kirby Smart? That's correct. Uh, you know, <laughs> and Napier went to Furman. He, so he's he, – the region is familiar to him. Uh, his I met his brother earlier this year. He's a, a high school coach in, in middle Georgia. So, I mean, he's he's definitely got roots in that world and understands – how it works, understands what he's up against. I mean, he worked with Kirby at Alabama. You know, it, he he worked with a lot of the folks that that he's up against because a lot of the younger folks mm-hmm. who were coming through Alabama at the time have kind of spread out into the SEC. So I will be curious to see who he hires because I don't think he's just going to bring that staff whole cloth from Louisiana Lafayette. Mm-hmm. I, I think probably there, there will be some names you know in there. Uh, probably some Saban affiliated names that you know in there. So that'll be the the thing. And then also, what does the organization look like? Because my guess is the recruiting operation at Florida is about to get a lot bigger. 
You can't have too many staffers. By the way, Andy, you know who else is the son of a Georgia high school coach? Uh, Jeremy Pruitt. So that's exactly we'll uh, Alabama, <laughs> Alabama high school coach. David. Well, he's in Georgia now. It still counts. I yeah, think he, he was, uh, right. I believe he's still in Georgia. But most now. of his career in Alabama. Yes. <laughs> yes, most <laughs> of his career. Now. But you know, Andy, I, I think uh, that's going to be key. I think people overrate the value of the head coach and underrate the value of the staff. Some of those things are. Uh, uh, one of those things affects the other. The head coach is obviously going to have a heavy influence on what the staff looks like and how good it can be. Um, but there'll be some key, uh, some key hires. There, obviously, I think the DC, the most important hire there. Uh, and uh, and we'll see what that looks like. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Should we talk about the coaching carousel at large? We should. And, and, and there's one I, particular school in the SEC that still has an opening that's had an opening for longer than everybody else. Yes. Yes, it has. And they so the big news on Sunday was Lincoln Riley taking USC. The big rumor going into the weekend was Lincoln Riley getting wooed by LSU. And I, I gotta say, because I, I was trying to talk to people in Oklahoma late last week. And you did get the vibe that they were worried that Lincoln Riley might leave. But I just – I kept asking about LSU. I never even thought mm-hmm. to ask, could it be to a different it, LSU didn't make any sense to me, really. It didn't make any sense it to me. It I, didn't – well, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma didn't seem in character for Lincoln Riley. Unless it was And because it's so job. rare in the sport. That, yeah. that, that – I always sort of start from that posture of people don't leave blue blood jobs, but – a couple times a decade, if right. that. Well, the Jimbo uh, Fisher leaving Florida State thing was different because yes, Jimbo Fisher's relationship with the Florida State administ- administration had completely deteriorated. Yes. I don't get the impression. Lincoln Riley, that, absolutely not the case. Right. No. I don't get that impression at all that there was any friction or, or enough friction to make somebody leave in Oklahoma. But no, that changes a lot of stuff. It also puts a lot of pressure on Scott Woodward because – we don't know how far they got or how much, if there was any negotiation at all with Lincoln Riley's people, but it sure looks like LSU got used for leverage on this thing. And I, and I think it makes a lot of sense. You're, you're leaving Oklahoma high and dry. And I think obviously Lincoln Riley knows he did that. That's it's business. It is what it is. But I think if you're, if you're Lincoln Riley, you're looking at, okay, I'm just telling you through the course of, conference realignment every school that moves it's hard and sometimes you have to readjust your expectations i think oklahoma was going to have to kevin someone's like no not at first yeah exactly but like west virginia going from the big east to the big 12 oh yeah 
they you aren't going to win 10 games every year. You're not going to. And Oklahoma rules the Big 12. Texas can't get its uh, act together. Oklahoma can rule the Big 12. You are not going to do that in the SEC. And I think – I don't know how much is factored into his decision-making or not, but if you go 9-3, 8-4, 10-2, 8-4 – you might get fired, Andy. Yeah, that's not that's not going to be considered good enough. That it's not going to be good enough, and I and I and that's and that's what I think OU's reality is going but I, to be. But I will I think say, they're going you know, to be o- fine, but they're going to have a will, problem with that. OU has gone through several conferences. OU is one of the more recession-proof programs in college football. They're almost always good. Really, the '90s is the only decade where they weren't good. Yes. every other decade they've been good to great to like the ultimate elite, like with Bud Wilkinson in the fifties. But I, I'm not as worried about them competing in the sec. I think they will. I actually think the roster deficiencies they have, which is, is line of scrimmage based almost entirely. I think that will get better for them when they join the league, because I think a lot of those type players, good line of scrimmage players don't want to play in the big 12. They just don't. Yeah. They, they want to go to the sec. So as soon as they have that that SEC imprature, those guys will probably say, you know what? Sounds good. You're you're on my list. Yeah. So that part I'm not as worried about. But but the LSU portion of this is very interesting because you're you've got Scott Woodward, who's the AD there. He used to be the AD at Texas AM. He was the AD who brought Jimbo Fisher to Texas AM. The thought when he fired Ed Orgeron was he's gonna make a run at Jimbo Fisher. I have very much believed Jimbo's denials that he's, you know, saying he's not going. I am with you on this. I, I have not taken recruiting. that seriously. Yeah. So if you don't get Jimbo and you didn't get Lincoln Riley, now you've set whoever it is you do hire up, unless it's some, you know, shot out of the blue lightning bolt, you set that person up for massive disappointment by the fan base and, a really bad start. I mean, what it feels like LSU is sort of hitting reset. I don't even know where you necessarily go at this point. Yeah, uh, do, I guess, do you call, I guess Andy, do you call do Matt wanna... Rule and, and say, hey, <laughs> do we want to ask uh, very our, well? Our, like, do we want to ask our Steelers beat writer to ask Mike Tomlin again to see if he's interested? <laughs> <laughs> After Sunday, he might have changed his answer. Yeah. But, exactly. But yeah, I, like, I'm yeah. not sure. There's not a lot of places that make sense. I thought Billy Napier made sense for them, and I get it, but I also think it's stupid. So, you know, it, it, it's it, it's a rough spot to be. I, this, you know, fan base. We talked about this last week, Andy. Ultimately, there's too many good openings and not enough great candidates just looming out there. There's going right. to be some disappointed fan bases. And where we're sitting right now, we could be wrong. We could end up – this segment could end up on freezing cold takes. Absolutely. It feels a lot like LSU is going to be one of those people that, that is really disappointed. Well, there, there are people out there that I think could do a good job at LSU. Like Mark Stoops, I think, would be a really interesting person for them. I, yeah, I, that's Kentucky the biggest fans, asset of the job, I think. Yeah, Kentucky that, fans don't want to hear that, but I – I know a lot of a lot of people say, "Well, what's the difference between Mark Stoops and Dan Mullen?" It's just guys that have had success at a lower tier SEC program. They know how to recruit to that type of program, but do they know how to recruit to this type of program? Well, when Mark Stoops was helping Jimbo Fisher build a national championship roster at Florida State, he certainly looked like he could recruit to that type mm-hmm. of program. Uh, now, here's the thing: if I'm Mark Stoops, I don't leave Lexington. <laughs> like I just I take Scott. Wood's I'm with call. you on this. 
And I I'm with you. boost Kentucky up as high as it'll go, and I stay. But here's the other part of the Mark Stoops situation. And I'm going to change the little uh, little Chiron we got below us on, on the video <laughs> version of this to the will the Lincoln Riley USC fallout hit the SEC even before Oklahoma joins the league. If Oklahoma calls me and I'm Mark Stoops, mm-hmm. I'm going. If I'm here, here's my question though. I'm not so sure I am if I'm Mark Stoops. Really? And if you I'm wanna, Oklahoma, you stay I'm in not so sure I'm and, and count your money. No, it's just I don't really want to go somewhere and be compared to my brother endlessly. Oh, uh, that you is, know that is interesting. I just wouldn't want that, and that and that, and that might. That might that might be different for other people, but I think people hear Stoops and they hear Oklahoma and they think it just feels right. I, I don't want that in my life. The, the my thing, brother was super accomplished at a big place, and he's Bob Stoops is still very much around. You know, he does. TV, Bob Stoops is the interim around. coach. Yeah, the interim coach. Like he's still very much there, uh, and you know he's got the. I think he still has the big mansion on the side of I thirty five, just <laughs> that you can town. see from space. Yeah, like he's still hanging around there, and I just. Maybe he wants that. Maybe he wants, you know, their their kids have always been close. Maybe he wants all that. I personally would not want that. I well, think the, you you sit in Kent, you sit in Kentucky and you say, "Well, maybe there's a couple jobs that I would really like." I don't know that Oklahoma would make that sense for him, but I say, "Hey, I can win 6 to 10 games every year, have a maybe a losing season here or there. People, if I am not doing well, let's hope that Coach Cal gets it going, and then we go around next year <laughs> and we and we and we run it back, and and that's my life, and I'm making a ton of money, and I rack up wins, and I leave as the winningest coach in Kentucky history. That sounds like a great plan to me. It sounds like a pretty good life. And the, the only other thing with Mark Stoops that you that would kind of sits in the back of my mind is, I don't know how much longer Kirk Ferentz is going to coach. You know, I, he he's mm-hmm. going to retire at some point sooner rather than later would be my guess. And that's the the Stoops boys alma mater mm-hmm. would potentially Iowa be considered. Because remember, Big Ten schools have as much money as SEC schools. You could get the same. <laughs> and we know Iowa is willing to spend it because uh, Kirk Ferentz has had enough and money. And if to, I'm him, I like to jumping buy the into town the of Iowa West. City many times over. I like jumping into the Big Ten West a lot more than I'd like jumping into the Big Ten East, personally. Though, um, but, though, so though I, divisions I, may not exist in a few years. In that's true. That's fair. I wouldn't. So I wouldn't be shocked if Oklahoma gets in the Mark Stoops business. But if I was him, I don't know that I would want to do that. But maybe he does. Uh, but but we'll see. Uh, that that seems like just something that I would not want to do. You're already walking into a situation and making it more difficult because of where you were born and your last name. I I just ah, that that would well, that he would was make born me in not really be. But yeah. <laughs> well, into the Stoops home, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob's house is big. It doesn't take up the entire city limits, but um, yes. So let me ask you about another SEC coach because you you know this guy better than I do, and mm-hmm. you've you've actually written about this situation. I believe it was you. Would Oklahoma and Josh Heupel ever have a thawing of their relationship enough for either one to consider the other? No, I don't think so. Uh, Boy, okay. I you think, think that's done. Uh, sorry, what did you say? I, you think that that's a non-starter? So, you never say never. They call it silly season for a reason. But the combination of on both sides of this. Yes, that's what I mean. Both the, sides. The end of are, the Heupel tenure. Yeah. 
yeah, but this is a problem on both sides. So let's just lay this out. The end of the Oklahoma tenure for, for Josh Heupel was ugly. Uh, if you asked Josh Heupel what happened, he would say, I wanted to do other things. Bob did not. The offense wasn't good. Bob used me as a scapegoat, and I got sent to Utah State. That's what he would say. Bob would probably say, the offense just wasn't good enough. I It was hard. You know, I think Bob Soup said in his book that firing Josh Hype was the hardest thing that he's had to do. Um, and he would just say it wasn't good enough. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. But since then, it has been very frosty. Uh, Josh Heupel doesn't talk to a lot of Oklahoma people. Um, so that's part of it. The fans remember how it ended. The Clemson debacle, I believe, was the last Josh oh, Heupel yeah, game. Yeah, that was, that was um, a bad one. And that's a tough taste to people's mouth. It's going to be hard to sell that to fans. If you, I mean, this is this is where I'm this is where I'm talking about the silly season concept. Well, the, of how fans David, the only reason coaches. I would bring this if up ask, is because is because Josh did such a good job at Tennessee this year. Like what he did at he U, did, UCF, he did. What he did at UCF but that's was the thing. Really I think good. if you asked, but you you kind of wondered, okay, how much of that was what he inherited? Like yeah. he inherited a terrible situation at Tennessee. And so outperformed expectations and made them yes. fun to watch. And they played so hard for him. Like, I am now firmly a Josh Hypo believer, whereas before it was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's a good head coach or not. I know now he's a good yeah. head coach. But you're not going to be able to sell that higher to Oklahoma fans. And yeah. you are. There's only one Oklahoma, as they like to say. And they believe, and I, I think they're probably right, they can get someone more accomplished, somebody that's bringing oh, some some rings and some trophies, and I think they're probably right about that. Um, yeah. So I, I don't see that happening again. If they reached out, which I don't think they would, remember Joe C was was around when all this was happening as well. He's been there forever. If they reached out, I'd be surprised. If Josh picked up the phone, I'd be surprised. Uh, but you know, money, time different circumstances i don't know i i'm just saying there's a lot of hurdles to even have a serious conversation about it so i don't think tennessee fans should be worried uh i don't think that's going to happen because again even if that relationship thaws even if things get fixed i don't think you can sell it to the fans and tennessee fan, it's funny because oklahoma fans i think would be apocalyptic if they hired josh heupel and tennessee fans would be apocalyptic if they took josh heupel Right. They don't call it silly season for no reason, Andy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it is it is truly amazing, and and you know so far no other openings in the league. Uh, Lane Kiffin is tweeting out photos of all his different rental cars. <laughs> uh, Sunday night he tweeted one it. for Louisiana and I... one from Texas. What? Who? Who? Who do you think is on the board for Lane, and who is off the board for Lane? Because it's he's he's not for everyone. I would. Very much enjoy Lane at LSU, but he certainly doesn't seem to be on their board. Mm-hmm. The Miami thing's interesting because I assumed that Miami fired Blake James as the AD because they were going to make a move on Manny Diaz and then hire another football coach. As we're recording this, Manny Diaz is still employed. I don't know if that's going to change in the next few days. But Andy, am I insane for suggesting that Ole Miss is a better job than Miami? Oh, Ole Miss is definitely a better job than Miami. You're not insane. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, I mean, yeah. I, it is a, I it is a leave, better personally. job than Miami. But 
if you want, if you would rather live in Coral Gables than Oxford, then it might not be the better job for you. Yeah. Like, that's like I, I wondered with, with Florida open and, and Florida didn't consider Lane. Um, but I would kind of look at that as living in Gainesville, living in, and I say this as someone who lives in suburban Gainesville, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel that different. Like living in Oxford, Gainesville, kind of the same thing. Like living in Coral Gables would be a different thing. Like I, I prefer yes. living here. Somebody else might prefer living there. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm torn because I think, I, I think people overestimate the. I, can we even call it baggage with Lane? What are we even talking about when we like the the sort of the the loudness that comes with hiring Lane? I mean, it's, what what are the there's, the negative that stuff? There's, I feel like is so irrelevant. There's the off the field stuff that exists as a matter of legend and message board rumor. And then there's that he had USC and he didn't win there, which I think is a much yeah. more tangible. I I of, still think that's just young. That's just young Lane. I think he was very guy. young. I, I he was I, very young. He listen. I, yeah, I, you I don't can't hold deny USC what the guy's done personally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I just think he he's a different coach, a better coach. You know, it's not like that didn't happen, but the idea that if you said, "Well, we like Lane." But he didn't win at USC. That is insane to me. If anyone actually wants to say but, that, that David, makes, that you, makes you no know, sense to me. You know a lot of athletic directors. I know most of the most of them are I, extremely risk averse, and if they've seen something yeah. go wrong once, they can't like they can't imagine that that person might grow and change over, over the course of time and become better at their job. This is the time of year, Andy, where like I like a lot of ads. They seem like very smart people when you talk to them, but then you see the negotiations, you see the, the contract extensions they're handing out, and you just realize, like, they get lapped every year by agents, and some of these guys do not make really good decisions. <laughs> like, we, we, all just act like, like made, we all act like we'd make better decisions. I'm not sure we would, because here's the thing. If you have a slightly decent season, you've got all of your fans – and and probably most of your major donors in your ear going lock this guy Pay up, the lock man. this guy up. Pay yeah. the man. And then and then yeah. the second things turn slightly bad, you got them saying fire him. And so, yeah, that's not a real fun razor's edge to live on. And I think it causes some pretty impulsive decisions. I might be writing about that later this week, Andy. A continuation Ooh. of our conversation from last week. Bart we Scott may have to revisit it on the podcast. <laughs> But yeah, I think overall, it's uh, a little patience would do people good, I think. And I think, Andy, I think also, ADs need to like band together and get some get some some Jim Harbaugh incentive laden deals oh. <laughs> together. If you're I, hiring oh. a young coach, the the I just they, they they get these they get themselves you know tied into these deals that that just kill them over time. So I had this conversation with Rick Neuheisel the other day, and we were talking about the Jim Harbaugh and Scott Frost thing. And I, I, I put forth my theory that, you know, while everybody seems to think it's because they went to those schools and that's the only reason they took those deals, I said, I think most coaches, given the opportunity, would cut their pay in half to stay and not be viewed as a failure and not get fired. And Rick goes, if that had been an option for me at UCLA, I absolutely would have taken that. 
No questions asked. It's betting on yourself, and coaches are almost always uh, confident. If you're yes. asking, if you're talking to them in March, and you say, "Take you know, fire you or take a half pay cut," or if you can win ten games, win the conference next year, you get your full deal. Oh, we got this. I got this. I believe in well, my I, guys. I believe in my staff. It's, it's absolutely so. That is <laughs> that is their that is their default mindset. And the second piece of it is most of them never thought they'd make a dime because most of them entered coaching basically working for free. And so all of this money stuff is 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 kind of gravy to them. They get mad about it when somebody makes more because it's just sort of a compare him versus me. They they think he's better than me kind of thing. But it's not really about the money. It's more about how you feel about him. Like for the most yeah. part, these guys are like, I'm richer than I ever thought I'd be. Just let me keep doing this job. And I do think you're going to see more of that. You actually did see that. Uh, not in the SEC, but a former SEC school that happened this weekend. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech cut his pay because he wasn't getting it done and and then mm -hmm. revamped his offensive staff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Andy, should we should we talk about the man that is currently at LSU and the man that was kind of almost but probably not going to be at LSU facing off this weekend in Baton Rouge? Absolutely. Absolutely cuz I cannot think <laughs> of a more poetic way for Coach O to go out than to beat the guy <laughs> that when he got fired everybody assumed was was being targeted to replace him. How satisfying did that have to be? I mean, how 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 long do we think uh, Coach O was on his pillow Saturday night before he was out? <laughs> I I don't. I, did did he sleep Saturday night? I'm guessing no. That would be my. Yeah, guess. you might be right about that. He's already on his way to Destin to get a, a double meat uh, cheeseburger from what from the sounds of it. Uh, but Listen, the uh, sixteen point nine million buys a lot of cheeseburgers. It really does. I think I calculated in mic check exactly how many cheeseburgers that would buy from uh, – I forget the, the brand that I looked it up for. But LSU is an, is, you know, has been an interesting team, but how much – what is this offseason going to be like for Jimbo? Because last year he's pedal to the metal, national championship, you know, we can make the playoff this year, we beat everybody, all this – and now you're eight and four, and A and M has got a really solid foundation. They're in a really good spot, but you just lost to a six and six LSU team. You coughed up a lead uh, late in the season. What 
what do you what what do you see as this offseason? I mean, do you, do you have to have any serious changes if you're Jimbo, or do you just say our quarterback got hurt? We're rebuilding the offensive line. We're recruiting well. Let's just keep it going. Do yeah, you have to you, do any you say do you see this, this class I have coming? Which which was the thing that Jimbo pointed to as his reasoning that he's not leaving. You just say look at yeah. look at what we're bringing in. Look at Walter Nolan. I don't yeah. want to go play these guys. You know, I'm not going to LSU, which was a a good line, and it, it's true. I don't think anybody disagrees. I I, I think LSU is a better job than A&M, but I believe Jimbo, and I think you know his uh, what I believe he's got two ranches out there in in uh, in, in Central Texas, uh, multiple ranches. And <laughs> I believe the I believe it's ranch eye. Uh, but the uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think I think AM's gonna be fine. I, is it too simplistic, Andy, to just say some teams go eight and four in the SEC West? No, teams that have I, a ton of injuries. That's, completely I, that's kind of what it feels like. I don't think yeah. there's anything made like. Zach Calzada was as good as you could ask him to, but that's not the guy that you wanted to build around. Your offensive line, you're revamping. You got a good class coming in. I just think I, I'm I'm not worried about A and M at all. Can they ever no. get past Alabama and and win the SEC? I don't know. But if a 12 team playoff is coming, A and M's making that in frequent. Right, I think. Yeah, I I think they're very well positioned. You know, maybe Scott Woodward tries again at this point because. Yeah, like maybe. we said, you keep we bringing don't know in you keep do, bringing in but. top five, top ten classes. Like you can't not eventually crack. They all they should have done it last year. They were so close last year. You know, and I just I, I'm just not concerned. Well, you know, you know who you just described. Situation. Who am I? Who am I describing? If you if you keep bringing in top five classes, you eventually crack this. You know, strike the stone enough times, it'll crack. Is Georgia going to strike the stone and crack it? in Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Alabama in the SEC championship game because this certainly feels like the moment. Andy, my question going into this game is, how, how is Bama going to move the ball? Yes. Okay. I don't think they're for, going for, to. <laughs> like, for all of our colleagues and everybody else who anointed Bryce Young the Heisman winner after the Iron Bowl, like, did you even watch don't the game? Don't get me started. Like, don't get me started. Did you I watch the game? I can't. Like, Will Listen, Anderson is going to have to save Alabama against Georgia. I appreciated your. I appreciated on your on your reaction show Saturday. I appreciated the 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 rant. You cannot have a Heisman moment in a game in which you complete less than half of your passes and need a miracle to score your first touchdown against a five and six team. You cannot. Yes. That is not qualify. No, yeah. absolutely. You're about not. And, and you're about to play a defense that. Listen, I, I'd say, oh, well, Georgia's played the easier schedule, which they have, but there's That's enough true. common opponents here, Arkansas, Florida, Auburn, that, I mean, I have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Alabama will completely surprise us. But this, the other part of this, David, that I think makes it interesting, it feels like the psychological component is removed almost because – this isn't you have to win to get in for Georgia. Like, yeah. There is well, no pressure think, on them. Well, beyond that, I think this is the first time that they can flip on the tape this week and just say, we're, just we're better. better than these guys. Yeah. We're better. Like, it's just that simple. They're the better team. Georgia this year is doing what Alabama has done for so many years. 
is mm-hmm. that when you play Georgia and you watch them play, literally, with the exception of, ironically, probably Clemson this year, you could watch them, and by the middle of the first quarter, these guys have no chance. <laughs> this is over. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be able to move the ball, and eventually Georgia's going to run them down, and then it's 28 nothing, and, like, every game, it's going to take a miracle for you to make this competitive. And can, Georgia can I, did not let teams make it competitive. Can I ask you more of a long-ranging question? Do you think that Kirby doing this at Georgia, Jimbo recruiting the way he does it at Texas A&M, let's say LSU hires somebody really good and and they're recruiting as well or maybe even a little better. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin. Yes. They'll all come play for Mike Tomlin. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's say Billy Napier comes in and he starts plucking some some higher rated recruits than, than Florida's been signing. Do you think that means that it will be harder for one team, be it Alabama, be it Georgia, be it somebody else, to just have that team every year that humiliates everyone? This is actually something I've been kicking around and thinking about, is that as we've seen so many teams flounder other than Georgia and Alabama, and they keep racking up these classes, and you know the playoff maybe has had part of that. I don't know how I feel about the playoff as as a true um, recruiting game changer. I mean, in some ways, I think it's true, but I'm not so sure. I still think. I still that think that's do like, you make do? You, can you make me a first rounder? Is still the ultimate recruiting yeah, tool. I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I've wondered that. Now, a lot of those pieces have to fall in place. But yes, if you can redistribute the talent. Uh, a little bit of recruiting socialism, if you will, Andy. Uh, get some guys from. Well, this is get this some is guys socialism, to to David. This is pure capitalism now. This is <laughs> this is competitive <laughs> eating. Yes, but if yeah, you got car- if you like the cartels some, arbitrary some- limits limits on <laughs> the labor market in that market <laughs> have been lifted. So yeah, well, you can't only a- sign twenty five guys. So there's part of that. But, there, there, uh, no. Okay, there there are still some government controls. There's there's no industry that doesn't <laughs> face some government regulation, David. Yes, uh, but no, I I think there I think there's something to that. We just haven't seen it. Like nobody's been able to sustain it, and not been coaching for their job. I mean, Gus, and I guess to some degree, Les Miles, to some degree, um, Ed Orgeron, in some ways, those guys were always recruiting. And it was always, well, he's going to be fired by the time you you end up there. And, you know, it ended up not being true for Gus for a long time. But once that perception's out there, that's hard to fight. Um, so I I think that's possible. If, if it's not just like every guy is going to Georgia and Alabama and they're number one and number two every single year. And they're, you know, well, this year Alabama has the best recruiting class in history. Well, this year Georgia has the best recruiting class yeah, it's, in it's history. It's gonna take, if it, if it's it, gonna you take can A&M stop that run, off. then I think you're. Yeah. I think it will. Yeah, it's it's going to take A and M to pick off two, and Florida to pick off two, yeah. and LSU to pick off two or three, and suddenly, then if you and this is what I think this is what's happened to Alabama this year. Like if you've watched Nick Saban, he's so happy after games. He's not normally this happy. Well, yeah, I. I wrote about this a little bit. He on knows. Night. He knows they are not that yes. much more talented than the teams they're playing right now. And and, and I think happens, he knows that that happens everywhere but Alabama. Playing, I think he knows they're playing. I wouldn't say at their potential, but not that far from it. They just Correct. don't have the experience. They're not mauling people as much up front. 
they have done that to a few teams, but not everybody. Uh, their defensive front is significantly better. But offensively, I think he knows they don't have Devontae Smith. They don't have uh, Tua. You know, they, they've got they've got some really good players, but they don't have the same caliber of guys that they've had in previous seasons. And I don't think that's, you know, uh, if we want to have a new Chiron, is Nick Saban the, the man for the job at Alabama? I don't think that's the point. But <laughs> no, it is, we, we it are is not ultimately putting, a get question. screenshotted and, and sent to freezing cold takes and – yeah, exactly. But like, I think it's a, I think it's a symptom of like, oh no, it's a down year at Alabama. They're only the second or third best team in the country instead of clearly yeah. the best. It's and a down I, and year. They're, is, they're ten what, and I still one. hear this. Team. I wrote <laughs> about this on Saturday night. And it was even true. I made the mistake of reading the comments on the on the column that I wrote Saturday night about Florida. I mean, about Alabama being sort of gutsy and winning these ball games, and yet also making a ton of mistakes and, and begging to be beaten. A lot of people just don't think Alabama's that good. And and I just think, are you watching the rest of college football if you don't think that? Because I think it's unfair that Alabama is being compared to the last three Alabama teams right. and not everyone else in college they are, football. They are not, they are not that insane. good for Alabama. Yes. They are probably a yes. lot better than your team. Unless your yes. team is Georgia or, or I just, <laughs> Michigan I think, or Ohio I think, State. I think prior to Saturday, Ohio State had won me over that I thought they were probably better than Alabama, especially the way they'd been playing the last month. But now, I mean, Andy, who are you really going to tell me is is a better team than Alabama other than Georgia? Like, I, I would enjoy the Alabama-Michigan game. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I, I would enjoy it too, but I... I, I would enjoy I, the Alabama-Ohio State game. I'm not, I'm not writing off the Buckeyes because they lost the game. It, but do we think would, Alabama I, would lose to Michigan State, Andy? Do we think that? No, we don't think that. Um, yes, I, I'm I'm torn on whether Oklahoma State, whether I think they could give them a game, but I think no. that defense would travel. Yes, so I think that they would. Might they, be a decent they'd give game. them a game, but Alabama wins that game seven and a half times out of ten. Right, but, but ultimately that's just what we're talking about. And so it's like, yeah. and so it's like, I I get that people are like, oh, Alabama's struggling with all these teams. Okay, yeah, but they're still in the SEC and they're still winning and they're still clearly the best team in the West and they're gonna they're gonna go play. Georgia, it just they've set just such an impossible standard that for people to be grumbling, and I have heard the term mediocre uh, referred to <laughs> in terms no. of Alabama multiple times this weekend, Andy. Oh and I'm just gosh. wondering if anyone else is watching the rest of college football because other than Georgia, I mean, if you, if Alabama's mediocre, I mean, goodness, have gracious, you seen Iowa? Like, Iowa's yeah, also playing in a conference championship game. <laughs> like, can you imagine if those two teams played? Yeah, Wake gave up sixty points in a win this year, guys. Like, <laughs> like, let's, like, like, chill out. Like, yes, we know that Bama twenty twenty would beat Bama twenty twenty one by two, three touchdowns. We get it, but I think Georgia's the only team that's clearly better than Alabama. I'm very excited for this weekend's game. It's going to be an intense game. I think Alabama's going to get suffocated, and I think the question is, can their defense? hold Georgia to under 20 and get within a couple big plays to turn the game. I think that's possible. I think that's possible. Can, can Will Anderson have the Indomitian Sioux against Texas in the Big 12 championship yes. game and, and get himself strip the sack, trophy? In strip sack and give the ball to the offense in the tw- inside the 20, you know, run some stuff, get Mechie open. I, that's what it's going to take because if Georgia scores 25, 30 points – 
Bama can't score that against Georgia's defense. David, they just what? Can't. They just David, can't. What if Stetson Bennett carves him up? Like, how many not out of the realm of possibility have to be redirected yeah. if Stetson Bennett carves him up? I don't think that's going to happen because he's going to have a lot of uh, messy pockets and he's going to be running for his life a little bit. I think they may have to use his legs a lot more than they have. Well, it, well they've used. But, it and it's funny because frequently. if you if you'd have told people, let's say last February. Stetson Bennett will be the much better quarterback for you from a skill set perspective when you play yeah. Alabama in the SEC championship game. People would have been like, are you insane? No. <laughs> Stetson Bennett gives you – like when Will yeah. Anderson breaks through, Stetson Bennett gives you a chance of that play still being alive. Andy, you know who Stetson Bennett is? Stetson Bennett is Lane Kiffin because people want to think <laughs> that Stetson – if you want to think that Stetson Bennett – of today is a Stetson Bennett of last year, and they haven't watched him enough and have realized that, hey, you know what college players do when they get older, Andy? They like usually better. get a lot better. <laughs> they get a lot better. And you know what they do uh, to get better is they get a lot of game reps. And guess what? He's gotten a lot of those. And he also happens to go up against uh, the best defense maybe that we've seen in a decade in practice every day. And maybe, Andy, just maybe, that has made him into a much better player. Because if you're watching what Sitson Bennett has done this year, what is, is there one negative thing you could say? about anything he's no. done. He's making some great throws. He's making wise decisions. He gives them the uh, the, the running ability. He, and, I mean, and David, it's been th- clear also, to me since September they can win it with him. There's also the small matter of Georgia's best offensive player might actually play his first full game. Yes, the return of George Pickens as well, who, yes. again, this factors into – that this is not a must-win game for Georgia. I think it would exercise some demons for them. I think it would be uh, uh, very cathartic for them. But they're getting in the playoff regardless, and George Pickens should be, you know, barring a, an injury or getting things worse, will be back uh, for the playoff. And he should be close to 100%, probably, somewhere in there. Um, so, yeah, I, I just – Georgia's really good, Andy. <laughs> I think – they just are, and they're really good on both sides of the ball. The offense has somehow – we're sitting here almost December, and somehow, despite our best efforts, Andy, the Georgia offense, people still don't realize that it's still really good, and Setson Bennett is a huge reason why. They are good because of what he does, not in spite of it. And I don't know how to tell people that if they're not watching Georgia closely enough. Well, they're going to watch closely. Everybody's going to be watching that game. Uh it will probably be the most watched conference championship game. I think the Big Ten one will be yeah. pretty pretty thoroughly watched because seeing Michigan in it for the first time is going to be pretty cool. But mm-hmm. this is the game because people want to see one of two things happen with the Georgia-Alabama game. They want to see either Alabama wins, two SEC teams are getting in, chaos reigns, or mm-hmm. they want to see Georgia exercise the demons. You know, it's just all the people who hate watch Notre Dame, they hate watch Alabama – they want to watch them lose. So and Alabama either way, you're getting is, your show. is on the table. It's on the table. I don't know that we're going to get it. The The path to Alabama winning this game is through the defense. Again, make this a 2017 game that the defense can get a couple turnovers, maybe make a special teams play. You flip it. You get to, you know, you, you hold them to three more than you do uh, seven. That's the path. But, Andy, that that 38 to 10, that's out there. That's out a Georgia, a, a trademark Georgia mushing, is it's you're saying that's on the table? Entirely possible, because I, 
again, I do not believe that Alabama is mediocre, but I do believe that Georgia just might be that much better. It can get out of hand. Ask Arkansas. That's yes. that's the best way to put exactly. it. Exactly, because Arkansas is a exactly. good team that got. I don't know. That wasn't that wasn't even Georgia mushing them. That was Georgia splattering was, them. I think I I tried to watch some of the second half, and ESPN had a bunch of censored bars over a lot of the screens. <laughs> not, I couldn't not watch it. <laughs> it was not allowed. It was uh, it was. It was banned. My computer had a bunch of viruses after I tried to watch it. It was, it was really bad. But the, uh, but like you know, this is this is. I, I'm really intrigued to see this this Georgia game because again, there's no excuses for them. They should take care of business in this game. There's a path for for Alabama to win this, but uh, again, I, I I I'm not gonna say that they they will do it, but Andy. I'm not going to be shocked if we get a Georgia cakewalk to the title. 27-10 SEC title game, 41-10 semifinal, 37-14 you know, 14 championship game. I, I I don't think that will happen, but if it did, I'd just be like, yeah, they were a Every lot Georgia fan that. that is listening has been like, why are you jinxing us like this, David? What are you doing? And I will say... Not just because I want to get on the good side of the Georgia fans who think you're jinxing them. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen as a viewer. I don't want to yes, see three I do blocks too. in a row. I don't think but, it will, but that's on the table. Because when Georgia's playing at their peak on both sides of the ball, they're just really effective. I mean, there's a reason why you look at the YPP on both sides of the ball. They are dominant in every way. There is nothing that you really are concerned about with this Georgia team, Andy. And that's... Now they just got to prove it. So I'm excited. You down with YPP? Yeah, you know me. You know me. That sounds like a good place to end this, Andy. It's been a um, interesting weekend of football. Saturday, Andy. Saturday was <laughs> up there, man. That was one of the best days awesome. of football I can remember. Uh, I said just. Uh, just extremely meaningful, extremely competitive, extremely uh, dramatic football. And, of course, the scheduling gods looked down favorably upon us, and we could watch the game in the morning, the Iron Bowl in the afternoon, and a bedlam that, of course, as it usually does, lived up to its name, and then the encore of Sunday. Andy, the carousel is only beginning to spin. (laughs) We'll be here talking about it. Thank you guys for listening. I am your host, David Ubbin. For my co-host, Andy Staples, we will see you again very soon. Thank you for listening. We'll see you, what, next week probably, Andy? That's exactly right. We'll, we'll know a who freshly won. Crowned as, a freshly crowned SEC champion and a playoff field to talk about. So two SEC teams, one SEC team. Will Georgia uh, forfeit um, <laughs> out of respect for the process? We'll see. If they do, we'll talk about it. Thank you, guys. See you next week. Thank you.